Daily at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello, Happy New Year and welcome to episode 178 of Dogcast Radio, which is an interview with Maxwell Muir. Maxwell is a trainer and behaviourist who teaches, writes and broadcasts about his mission, which is to help owners understand their dogs so they can find natural balance in their relationship. You can find this show along with all our others and much more on our website dogcastradio.com and we're starting 2017 off with some vast and very important subjects which are all taken from seminars that Maxwell offers for dog lovers. Later on in the interview we're going to be discussing how we can understand our dogs and communicate effectively with them and how we can provide daily enrichment and stimulation for our dogs. But the first subject we're discussing is living together with your dog, a natural and humane approach. This jumped out at me as being of vital interest to all dog owners because surely the drive to get a dog comes from wanting them to be part of our family, wanting them to be happy and wanting to be happy around them. So how do we best achieve that? Uh, The idea for the seminars came about through my work uh, with dog owners um, uh, with clients and every day and I see a lot of examples of where harmony is absent in the house yes yeah uh, a lot of misunderstanding a lot of misinterpretation uh, a lot of conflict mm. or uh, even general views on how you should include a dog in your home or uh, treat a dog when it is in your home and um, it's, uh, so that's where the the ideas for the seminars came about. Now, I always employ a natural, what I mean by a natural and humane approach mm. is um, it to, the, to give a dog its due respect, um, to understand exactly what a dog is, what a dog's needs are, and how we should go about living, communicating, interacting, in our everyday lives with dogs. And um, that's basically uh, what the seminar material is on. You know, it it goes much more in-depth, but about how each member of the family um, of different ages, different sexes, um, can take part in interacting with the dog and including the dog as a family member as well. Yeah, brilliant. Because that's when you... I mean, that's when the dog is going to be happiest, but that's when you, as a family, get the best out of life with that dog because if you don't sort of include everybody the dog's not happy I mean I, I, I we have a Labrador um, and he sort of just wants everybody to be Labradored just love him just interact with him you know and he, he really doesn't understand if anybody's a bit standoffish um, yeah, yeah. That's, that's dogs isn't it really they want to be part of the family they're highly social animals yeah. uh, I mean uh, not only have we selectively bred them to do that it's it's in their very DNA, uh, you know. It's in a dog's complete makeup to be sociable uh, with each other, yeah. with humans, and uh, even with other species out there. It's a natural inclination for a dog to want to be included in everything that we do. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you say other species. We've we've got three cats as well. Um, Have you? Okay. <laughs> yes, but we've had we've had ducklings in the house. We've had rats when I say rats fancy rats they were invited in <laughs> they didn't invade um and the latest thing we've had and this is very odd and I've not talked about this before but um my daughter's had as part of her 21st birthday present hissing cockroaches 
Wow. I know. She thinks odd things are cute. She likes these hissing cockroaches. So, and of course, every new animal that comes in, Buddy's over and saying, oh, can I have a sniff? What is it? And these cockroaches, he's been sniffing and only through the, you know, their their glass cage. Um, But he's really interested. And as you say, he he just wants to come over, have a sniff, find out what's going on, be part of it, be involved, and then life carries on. And, and, and he's sort of accepted so many little animals, and the cats particularly. Um, I love to see the cats and dogs interacting because they do form their own little friendships and have their own little personalities and preferences, don't they? They certainly do. Well, canines are naturally curious animals. Yeah. So, so they're curious about living things. Now, they can be curious in all sorts of ways. Um, at some, it can be a very friendly curiosity. Yeah. With other ones, it can stimulate, you know, it, it, depending on that yes. individual dog's history or uh, some uh, breed-specific bred instincts, it can stimulate different types of curiosity. So, yeah. But, but they're naturally inclined to take an interest in living things. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So when we're aiming to sort of live in harmony... What can we expect of the dog? You know, you, you said it's sort of in their DNA to sort of want to be with us, but how much, what can we expect of them to, them to bring to the relationship? Okay. Well, well that's mostly about understanding their needs. Mm-hmm. Understanding the care that, that, that a dog needs as well. And uh, that's also emotional care. Yes. Uh, dogs also need emotional support. Um, we're still discovering just what dogs can give back yeah. uh, into the relationship, you know, what dogs do for us as well. There's some marvellous work out there being done with therapy dogs. Yes. Um, uh, being done with dogs that, that, that provide support for um, people who are sick, um, who are people who are ill, people who are unhealthy, um, people who cope and struggle with daily life. Yeah. Um, we that, uh, that was one of the subjects in the recent seminars is was we know dogs are emotional beings but are they empathetic do they respond to our emotions or are they affected by our emotions uh, in the same way do, um, do they are they happy are they sad are they depressed do they share those emotions um, i'm very much a believer that dogs do share emotions with yes. us yeah, um, me too. You know, if something's bothering, uh, bothering me for, if, uh, in my life from time to time, that's shared by my dog. Not only can he detect it, but it affects how he feels. Yes. And I don't believe that he's only there to give emotional support. I believe it has a, an emotional effect on him. And yeah. I think anyone who owns a dog will, will have their own private experience of a dog sharing their emotions with them. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And they're, they're just so good for us, aren't they? I mean, to have a dog around you is just to enrich your life. If you've never experienced it, unbelievably, I think. Yeah. Well, it's a medically proven fact, you know, that, that, that dogs are healthy for us. Uh, whether we're spending time with them, whether we're interacting with them, uh, whether we're touching them. Uh, touching a dog can actually have some uh, positive uh, physiological advantages for us, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But um, uh, to be in a shared relationship with a dog is a very special thing. I think we've all had our own special moments 
we've all had our own private ex special experiences and um, I think dogs bring far more than we ever give them credit for it, to the relationship. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right sometimes because, you know, and this is going to bring us on to the next thing I'm going to ask you, but I think sometimes the the dog doesn't get to develop their potential because, you know, they get a quick 15-minute walk around the block and the, most of the day they, we just want them to sit on their bed and just be quiet and, you know, keep out of the way. Um, and that's not, you know, giving them a fair crack of the whip kind of thing um that's the wrong expression to use we must never w use whips around dogs but you know what i mean we're not giving them a fair shot at sort of a full as full a life as they can have so when we bring a dog into our lives what should we be prepared to put into the relationship and i think this is one where some of us fall down because we're not quite prepared for how much we need to put into that relationship okay yeah exactly well it, just touching on your last point there, yeah. it's um, in many houses, uh, lots of dogs, uh, people can get a dog to fit into their lifestyle. Yeah. And in some busy lifestyles, uh, that can suffer. Um, uh, even uh, with good intentions, you know, uh, supposing a dog was walked, say, twice a day for an hour and a half, which in comparison to some domestic dogs is quite good. Mm -hmm. That's three hours at a 24-hour day. Yeah. You know, the, the dog's much, much, much more capable than that. Um, not that they have to be outside and go outside all the time, but it's quite a commitment to take on a dog. Yes. Um, many people can buy for aesthetic qualities. I mean, uh, when I was a young boy, w uh, walking the streets, you could probably name nine or ten different breeds of dog. Mm. And, and cover everything that, that, that you could see. You saw a Labrador, you saw a Collie, Terriers, German Shepherds, Sighthounds. Um, now there is uh, so much variation yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that some people can struggle to name them all. And a lot of people can buy for aesthetic qualities without doing a lot of breed-specific research. Yeah. Absolutely. And understanding what that type of dog might need out of a day. Um, uh, so it's, it's quite a commitment, but, but not only in physical exercise. Um, uh, dogs need to be mentally active as well. Yeah. Uh, as well as physically, uh, physically active. And that's very important. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the other thing I think is you need to, to understand that you, you, you need to sort of consider the dog you know when you're going on holiday when you're going to have a day out every time you go out are the dog's needs met you know it is it is a huge I mean it's wonderful the payback you get is is wonderful from the dog but it, it, as you say it's a huge responsibility isn't it absolutely absolutely and it affects dogs in different ways you know uh, if you're taking off regularly and putting your dog into care um, if if you're gone for many hours, say, um, th th there's lots of different variables uh, throughout a day that, that um, people can get a dog to live with a dog, mm. or people can get a dog so that the the idea of a dog is good, and the dog has to find a place in that uh, daily, weekly, monthly lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, and we and have that affects dogs across the board, Julie. Yeah. Definitely, we have to make room for them, don't we? If we want, we certainly do. Yeah. We certainly do. It, it needs organisation. It, it needs planning, and 
we, we, we need to ask ourselves, uh, can I really do this? You know, yes. can I really do this? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, the the other word that I sort of wanted to um, have a look at with you is, you, you know, you said your humane approach. So why a humane approach? Aren't all methods that work equal? Why do we have to be humane? Okay, okay. Um, uh, humane is a... More than a word, a concept that has just been around me for quite a few number of years. Mm. Uh, as a boy growing up with sight hounds, um, dogs that were kept for work, um, dogs where uh, my father's view and uh, the people that he worked with view was that um, don't give them too much affection, don't soften them up. Yeah. Um, put them in their place, you know, uh, don't let them away with this, don't let them away with that. Mm. There, 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 were, there were lots of thoughts at the time on how you should, how you could actually spoil a working dog yeah. and, and how you treat a dog in general. Now, sometimes in ignorance and sometimes uh, it was blatant, but um, I was always considered quite a soft touch for the dogs. <laughs> Well, I was often uh, berated for saying that you, you're too soft with that dog. You know, <laughs> the, the the dog's taking you for a hike. Um, you, you you give it an inch, it'll take take you for a mile. You know, yeah, and yeah. Um, I was often sneaking out of bed quite early in the morning, and my my dad would go off his head when they found me sleeping in the kennels with the dog. <laughs> so uh, I love to spend time with the dogs and. Um, just to go off into a tangent slightly, yeah. you, you know, you know, a lot's made today of um, supervision between children and dogs. Mm. But uh, as a nine, eight, nine, ten-year-old boy, I was constantly around large groups of dogs on my own in kennels, <laughs> mucking them out, caring for them, walking for them, uh, all of that. Mm. Um, some of the ways they were treated back then. Um, when we look at traditional methods of training and treating dogs, um, uh, uh, this is all prior to rank reduction programs. It's all prior to thinking we treated them like wolves and, uh, uh, you know, stuff like that. But some of the treatment was quite harsh. Mm -hmm. um, in my opinion, the worst treatment was still to come. Uh, you know, but as different views uh, began to take sway in the dog world. But... Um, I never felt comfortable imposing myself physically on a dog. Yeah, yeah. I never felt comfortable imposing myself verbally. And I thought a lot of the time, just through a young boy's eyes, a young boy observing, the dogs were confused. Mm. And there was a lot of the time they were being punished for something that they didn't understand. Yes, yeah. For something that they couldn't help. That they were reacting out of instinct for what the dogs were, yeah. um, for what was maybe seen as disobedience. So um, when I, when the student in me came out, and in my years to come, and I start to do a lot of research into dog behaviour, uh, into canine behaviour in general, um, I got more of an understanding and. The deep respect that I have for dogs grew, and it, that grew in, inside me. And along with that deep respect, um, the, the word humane 
yeah. was more and more and more um, evident in me. So, so it's not uh, like a business catchphrase or anything like that, you know, which are quite prevalent nowadays as yes. well, you know, mm. um, to, to describe a method of training or treating dogs. Um, natural means to understand the dog, to, to understand what a dog can do naturally, and a humane approach is in how you would deal with that natural type behaviour in a dog. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Without imposing ourselves physically or verbally or um, trying to punish a dog for something that, that it clearly doesn't understand. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've, you've brought us very neatly sort of onto, onto the next um, uh, seminar subject that um, I wanted to talk about, which was understanding your dog and communicating effectively and I mean I've, I've told this story before but when I first I mean Buddy would, I, would be about I don't know a few months old between six months and 12 months and he'd got into the car he was on the drive he'd got into the car and he'd sat on the seat and I was I sat on the um, driver's seat and I was saying get down and pointing down to the um, you know the footwell I was going get down to get him out and he turned his head away and I, I interpreted that as him going, I'm going to pretend you're not there, you know, and I'm going to pretend I can't see you and I'm going to just, you know, um, pretend I'm, I'm, I can't hear you. And that's what I interpreted that as. Now, you know, I, I, I just went round to the car and called him and he came out and that was that. But that's how I interpreted that. Now, I've then learned that, you know, perhaps I was stressing him with saying, you know, get down, get down. And he's turning his head. Or, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways I, that could be interpreted. But that opened the door for me to sort of look at Buddy and go, do you know what? This poor little creature is trying to communicate back with me and tell me things. And I need to understand that. And it really sort of, a light bulb went off for me at that point when I kind of went, I need to understand this dog. Um, and I always think we... We expect our dogs to understand so much of what we say to them, but shouldn't we try and understand what they're trying to say to us better? Absolutely. And uh, that's where most of the conflict and confusion takes place, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, when your dog buddy is on the seat there, uh, with your body action and pointing, letting yeah. the pitch and tone of your voice that's a completely different expression than getting out of the car and going round and inviting yes. them out, which is very clear. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, he knows exactly what you wanted in that circumstance. Yes. <laughs> but the first time he's like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm not very sure of your behaviour here. So. Yeah, bless him. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, understanding them, absolutely, because there's lots and lots of conflict and it's so easy to... We speak verbally. Mm. We don't realize that, that they're actually studying our faces, how we sound, our tone, the creases in our faces, the, the, the tightening of our muscles, all the little subtle behaviors that, that, that we take for granted. And dogs are completely taken in the big picture of everything. And if they're confused, they'll try and look at everything. Yeah. And if they don't understand, they'll, they'll, they'll basically try and re uh, diffuse the situation by trying to reduce the conflict somehow. Yeah. Even if it's a misunderstanding, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you're right, they read us so well and they watch us. And I can remember my, my husband saying to me, how come Buddy knows whether I'm standing up 
just to go to the toilet and it's nothing to do with him. I'm standing up, you know, to go make a cup of coffee and it's nothing to do with him. Or I'm going to the shed and I'm going outside and there's a good chance if he comes with me, yes, I'll say, come on then, come into the garden with me. And, you know, and, and to begin with, before you realise how closely they're watching us, that can be really confusing, isn't it? That your dog seems to be able to read your mind and what you're going to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and they're very good at reading our intentions as well. Yes, yeah. They're, they're very good at reading our intentions. And um, at my Labrador's the same. He knows when I'm getting up to go out of the room. He knows if I'm getting up to go out of the room, uh, whether it's going to include him yes. uh, or not. Now, uh, whether that's in the way I get up, uh, whether that's in something that I'm completely unaware that I'm doing that he just senses in me. Yeah. But there's absolutely no doubt in his mind because when he does get up to follow me, it is 100 percent the time when I'm going to do something with the dogs. You know, <laughs> um, it, it, they read us 24 seven. You know, and they literally open one eye while they're on their bed when we move, change position, or change the dynamics of what we're doing in the house. And they are up like a shot if they have any inclination that, 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 that is going to include them. They're, yeah. they're very good at reading humans. They're well-versed in it. They're, they're far more qualified than we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always think as well, I mean, Buddy will watch, we'll lie on the floor by me in the kitchen while I'm making a cup of coffee and the kettle will boil and I'll go to the fridge and get the milk and I'll, you know, be stirring the coffee and whatever. And when I do the last stir and put the spoon into the sink, he gets up because he knows I've finished and we're going into the lounge. And I just think if I could harness that in training, if I could communicate to him as clearly as I obviously am when I'm just making up a, a cup of coffee, you know, there's nothing wrong with his little brain. He can notice things perfectly well. So I must harness that in some way better to communicate to him better when I'm when I'm trying to train him, mustn't I? Um, well, uh, training is communication. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and the effects of good, uh, really good trainers, exceptional trainers, are great communicators. It, it's one thing that they do very well. Um, it, as far as training itself goes, it's some of the very best trainers out there are really good at a specific skill, and that specific skill is doing nothing, mm. and o only doing what you have to do when it matters. Yes. So, so, so the point that they're trying to get across at the dog, whether they're teaching it to do a task, or they're communicating through hand signals and body language, which it usually it's everything all at once, yeah. is being very clear and not to mix it up with lots of other stuff, which is very easy to do as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's often the view, you know, you've heard it all before, stupid dog, daft as a brush, um, mm. just doesn't get it. But um, I've very, very seldom met a dog that's as daft as a brush, you know. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I've, but I've seen quite a lot of confused dogs. Yes. And... Um, even the very best trainers, dogs are very good at making a monkey out of us. Yes. <laughs> They're very good at making us look stupid and exposing our flaws and um, at making us better trainers. And um, we're, we're not just a good trainer of dogs, but because there's always a different dog to come along and 
test what we can do. There, there's always a new challenge. Yeah. Now, if you've got some high-powered young boxer or a high-powered young Vishla who are all very quick, they're full of things, to get their att- attention or focus and hold it, we've got to be very, very clear. Yes. At what we do. Uh, that was my dog in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, uh, that can require a great degree of self-awareness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of what we're doing, and uh, not only what we should be doing, but the other stuff that affects it or reduces the clarity of that. Yeah, definitely. Do you know? I'm. I was just smiling as you were saying that. You know, the best trainers are sort of are, are good at, at stepping back and sort of not not confusing the dog, not doing too much. Because with Buddy, I've I've tried. A little bit of sort of agility and, and various activities, and um, and so many trainers have sort of said to me, "Stop talking to the dog," because you know? <laughs> I'm chatting away to him, and they go, "No, just stop, step back, stop talking," and you know, and I think that's really interesting. If you do stop talking and you just try to communicate and get the dog to walk with you or whatever, just with um, your your body language, that's a good exercise. But you're right, we we flood them with with chatting to. Well, I do anyway, and. It's not the most effective way to communicate with them, is it, at all? No, not at all. Uh, one of my favourite subjects is actually um, silent communication. Uh, when we speak about verbal communication, um, sometimes what I do uh, when I have a student shadowing me is, I'll do lots of exercises, say, for the next hour, OK, but I don't want you to say a thing to the dog, not one thing. <laughs> but I want you to try and teach it to do this or... Or, or do that yeah, and yeah. it's surprising how attentive the dog can be when we don't talk yes yeah. and we, we we actually don't need lots of verbal commands I mean they're very nice you know and, and it's another way of stimulation you know but we don't actually need them there are other ways to communicate there are other ways to make things clear but it's a very good exercise in being creative using our uh, communicative skills and building on them trying to get our message across you know yeah yeah definitely. without being verbal but but we just can't help it you're right <laughs> some of my yes. clients that I take out full-blown conversations with their dogs <laughs> telling them their life story and yes. um and of course, the dog's very attentive, and it's very difficult to persuade them that the dog doesn't understand what they're talking about. You know? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, and the, I mean, the thing with if you if you can't, we, we've always well for a long time we've used signals with Buddy, hand signals, and it's paying dividends now because he's he's thirteen and a half, and he's hearing he's losing his hearing a little bit but we can still commute and i can still say to him good dog because i've always accompanied the words good dog with a thumbs up so i can still tell him he's a good dog which means the world to me but if you incorporate you know those different kinds of of communication with your dog it it can pay off long term can't it absolutely uh, uh, absolutely and um it also becomes a habit you know yes. um it's there's a myriad of things that that we can do with just our left hand or our right hand or our facial expressions. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had to communicate as best you could just facially, you can send a lot of information to your dog. Yes, and you can also get a lot of responses from our dogs. And I think one of the 
I think human beings are incredibly talented when we start to use our creative powers. Yeah, yeah. But I think we really need a big effort as individuals to try and uh, 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 put those powers to use, you know? Yeah, it, it takes time, it takes imagination, you know, it takes putting something into practice, but I think it's got a marvellous effect with dogs, and uh, I love communicating silently with dogs. Yeah, yeah. And, I, do you know, sometimes I think it happens by accident, because I can remember trying to teach Buddy to, to do speak, and he's, he's a very sort of... Um, respectful dog if you like and he didn't like to to, I mean he didn't bark to begin with for months but anyway he he didn't like to bark at me so he'd do a very very sort of quiet woof and I I didn't realize what I was doing but I'd raise my eyebrows I was waiting and I'd raise my eyebrows and sort of lean towards him and then he'd do a louder bark eventually because he'd get a bit frustrated and I'd give him the treat and I actually taught him because I realized and I tried and it worked if I raised my eyebrows at him I taught him speak through raising my eyebrows completely. That, that's brilliant. Yeah, well, that's that... a very clear message, isn't it? Isn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it took a bit of time before you were aware that, that yes. it was actual raising of the eyebrows mm-hmm. that got your message across. Yeah, yeah. Well, I brilliant. Didn't, yeah, I didn't realise what I was doing. I think my husband looked at me and went, do you know that you're raising your eyebrows? Went, no. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, it is good to have a friend or a family member film you when you're with dogs as well. Yes. That's incredibly valuable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a brilliant idea. I like that. Because as you say, it's not until you actually watch yourself and you go, gosh, do I do that? And you realise something is clear, isn't clear. That's a brilliant idea. <laughs> I like that. Um, okay, so um, let's move on to another one that, that's, that I think is a, is a really a fantastic idea to talk to people about. Um, daily enrichment and stimulation. We've touched on this a bit, you know, so many dogs just get sort of a, a quick walk or or even get a lot of exercise. But as you say, their brains are, are not as stimulated as they could be. So do dogs get bored? Absolutely. And uh, uh, not only do they get bored, but they get all the side effects of boredom. Um, uh, uh, boredom can create uh, uh, behavioral side effects. It, mm-hmm. it can even create depression, um, you know, um, the, the, the sustained boredom. Um, uh, dogs are very, very um, uh, creative creatures themselves. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if we study street dogs or feral dogs or uh, wild canines of any sort, they're incredibly creative creatures. And they crave enrichment. They, they crave stimulation. I mean, it's not just like giving a toy to, to keep them occupied or... Uh, to keep them happy, they, they, they consistently need challenge in order for the brain to grow. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's, as human creatures, we're all about variety. And um, enrichment and stimulation is a pleasure-seeking activity. Yeah. Um, uh, dogs are also p- uh, pleasure-seekers. They, 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 they've discussed emotions and how we share Many of the same emotions, to what degree, is still being debated by scientists, but um, dogs most certainly get bored, but, but even worse, they, they suffer the effects of boredom. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, uh, this isn't just dogs that are in welfare centres or uh, uh, dogs that have been kenneled for a long time. Uh, uh, this is dogs that just live in everyday homes. Yeah. Um, they can have the same old routine every day, the same old place every day. 
They can have uh, repetitive-like activities where lots of efforts are made to physically exercise the dog. And uh, too much of one thing is not healthy either, you know. Uh, if the dogs say chasing balls or frisbees all day, they need variety. They, they need to use all their senses uh, to achieve that end. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'd get bored just doing the same thing all the time. Um, oh, without a doubt, yeah. yeah. We would develop problems, Julie. Yeah. Yes, absolutely, yeah. So, now, obviously, most of us have to work. Um, so, how can we provide enrichment for the dog when we are out at work? Okay. Uh, one way is when you are out of the dog, it's a fully enriching experience anyway. Now, uh, whether that's just allowing the dog to be a dog or... It's something that, uh, that you do with the dog now. Uh, being out at work all day, that, that should go into your planning of your commitment in getting a dog in the first place. Yes. Um, because it's an essential need that dogs need to be mentally provided for. Yeah. Um, but sometimes um, I see dogs with the same old toys that they've had for years all stuffed up in a basket. I see dogs that don't play with toys, um, will perhaps go on to the pet store, um, buy the dog a toy, and it's a very common statement to me that they've got a basket of new toys with hardly a tooth mark in them, mm. um, hardly anything. They're, they're just not played with. The, the best way to stimulate a dog mentally is to start to work the senses, um, which incorporates stimulating their curiosity. Um, so uh, that takes changes in environments, but any sort of activity that you can set up, and um, scenting is a very good activity to do mm-hmm. that uh, in the home. That the, there's lots of preparations that can be made which don't demand a lot of time from you. Um, uh, you know, in the way of setting up scenting activities, searching activities, and um, if the dog's got a full a fully enriching experience when you are coming home and spending time with them and going out with them, they cope very much in your absence much, uh, that much better as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you know what, one thing that I suddenly realised? When I'm out with Buddy and I throw the ball and it gets lost and it bounces into, you know, longer grass or undergrowth or whatever, for me, that's a huge problem. Oh, no, the you know blasted ball is lost again. Oh, and... Buddy, his tail goes up. Whoa! I've got to find the ball now, and it's it sort of adds to the excitement for him. And I think sometimes we we see things too much from a human perspective, and the dog just goes, "Oh yeah, this is great, actually." And and they do like that kind of working their brain, don't they? Absolutely. Well, uh, some of the dogs that I've worked with with clients, where uh, dogs may that possibly get repetitive ball chucking. Yeah. Uh, every time that they're out in a walk. So uh, what I've done is to get the owner to stop throwing the ball. There's lots of little games that can put in place where the dogs then got to search for the ball. We'll go off and hide the ball and search for it. Now, dogs are expert trackers. They're equipped with that nose of theirs and all their other senses combined to be good trackers. And they get so much pleasure out of looking than they do catching. Mm. And and to, to... you don't have to stop um, playing with the ball. You just need to be a bit creative in how the dog can get the ball. So if you stop throwing a ball, you're actually 
taking away the physical exercise and you're making it a mental exercise, letting the dogs got to search for it. And dogs are incredibly sensory rich, you know. When they start to search for their favorite ball, and you can go from um, a quite easy task to extremely difficult ones, um, it's a great experience for them. Yeah. Yeah. I think we underestimate the power of the dog's nose quite a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, but we don't have it, do we? We don't share it. <laughs> no, no. But, but there are many people think, oh, Bertie here would never make a tracker, you know, but like, like, it wouldn't be any good or that. People are surprised at what the dogs are actually able to do. Yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, you know, with any dog, like, I was talking to a tracking coach recently. For a human being t- to... Put on a brand new pair of Wellington boots. You only needed to to wear them for half an hour before human perspiration penetrates their upper soles. Hmm. A dog can track that even on hard concrete. Wow, that's incredible! Now that is mind-boggling, isn't, isn't it? Isn't it? Wow, you would you wouldn't uh, dream that. Yeah, I mean, in a field. The, the the dog mainly will, will be tracking along disturbed vegetation. Yeah. But they can actually track in hard concrete. And mm. that's all it takes to penetrate a brand new pair of Wellington boots. Half an hour. Yeah. Wow. And a dog can be trained to find human scent. And a lot of people don't think that dogs are capable of uh, mm. these type of activities, but they're more than capable. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I must admit that Buddy surprised me on occasion when we've, we've tried, you know, we, we're never going to win sort of um, anything at Crufts. But, you know, we've had a lot of fun um, with different activities. And he has pulled things out of the bag for me and kind of gone, yep, I can do this. And you go, wow, I, I do underestimate you sometimes. But um, but if we so if we want to sort of give our dogs this enrichment. Is it, you, you, I mean, you talked about, and that's the thing we do. We go to the pet shop and we, oh, that's a fantastic toy. It's been marketed really well at us, not necessarily for the dog's best, you know, interest. But, you know, so we go and buy it and we bring it home. We put it down. There's your toy. I'm going to sit down and read the newspaper. Um, but does it need to cost us a fortune? And is that necessarily the best way to go? No. Uh, quite the opposite, actually. It, 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 all it costs you is a little bit of time. Yeah. Um, my dogs love boxes, for example. They, they <laughs> yes. get lots of box works in uh, all different hour, uh, places of the house. Now, they, they love food, so I use food. They search for treats. Yeah. Um, I can scatter them uh, around the room and then let the dog in to search. I can ask the dog to wait outside. I can put the light off and let the dog in. That's a blind search. Yeah, yeah. I teach my dog to find three items, phone, wallet, and keys. Yeah. And they're very good at finding that. Some of the stuff that you can get, say, in a second-hand charity shop. Hmm. Now, suitcases, whole dolls, wallets, purses, coats, hats, lots of different boxes of varying types. You can get a lot for five quid, which is all interesting to your dog. And dogs being the natural, curious creatures that they are, loving their search work. Um, uh, the secret is to always change it. And I think we run out of imagination sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Or we run out of time to be creative. Mm. But it, it really, it, 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 when you start to be creative, I, uh, ideas just throw themselves at you. you. You're just catching them in there, you know. Yeah. And um, 
you don't necessarily have to be thinking about it. You can be walking past and see something. Oh, my dog would like that. Um, you can just catch something here and there. I could use that in a good scenting game. Um, it doesn't cost a penny, really. You know, uh, very, very little. Yeah. But, but uh, once they're able to do something, even if it's really, really enjoyable, we need to step up. We, we need to increase the challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't That's rest what on a your tailor's dummy set up in the corner, Julie. And sometimes I put all different clothes on it, mm. and I let the dogs in, and they've got to find a wallet in a certain pocket, mm. and bring it to me, and yeah. they love it. And I dress up the man. <laughs> <laughs> People will be thinking I'm a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. Your dogs think you're wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> And um, just while we're talking about this, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't need to cost you a fortune, you can be inventive. Can we get the whole family involved? Because again, we've, we've touched that on that already. That it's important for the dog to be, you know, interacting with all of us in in the family. So, how can we do that? I think that's very important, you know. And um, I think when we actually feel that, that that we can do something with the dog, but because a lot of focus is on obedience stuff and stuff like that, I think. Kids are incredibly uh, curious at uh, once they can actually lay a trail, say, and yeah. teach a dog to find something, letting the dog's able to do it and find it. Um, uh, even finding family members, you know, yes. it's a great activity for a dog. It, it's good for the family members themselves, but it should be a family effort. And yeah. uh, 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 dogs that have got the... the Probably the very best recalls going are if, if the whole family get involved. And I think it's a great activity for a dog finding family members. Yes. It's, um, yeah. the, the whole family should be involved, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Do you know, I haven't thought about that for a while, but certainly when Buddy was younger, we, we taught him, you know, who, I mean, we, we did, I have to hands up, we did use Mummy, Daddy and Jenny, okay? So I was Mummy, okay. obviously my husband was Daddy. And it would be, go and find, you know, or where's, where's Jenny? Where's Daddy, you know? And he would go off and, and find them. And he loved that, you're right. And, but we even taught him the specific name of each of us and he would go and look, you know, and he'd be so That's excited. Great. Yeah, he'd be so excited when he found us. And you can take that outdoors um, uh, not just into the woods, not just into the fields, but, but it's a very handy tool, you know. But, but if you've got a child that just he goes missing for a couple of seconds in a, yeah. in a busy marketplace or something, mm. letting you get your dog to go off and find Timmy or, or find Magnus or whatever, yeah. it's a very useful thing to have as well. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, and, um, yeah, I think getting the family involved, um, uh, having a great family effort and everything, the, the dog enjoys being part of the family. And uh, when we're doing that, you'll find that you have to control your dog less. Yeah. You, you, you'll find less undesirable behaviors that you find yourself um, uh, looking for ways to control them. But um, the dog just gels into the family much better, you know. And if we include them in those those things it's uh i mean that is mental stimulation that's yeah. enriching for them yeah definitely it's a bit like with children you know bored children bored dogs get into trouble don't they where if you give them um you know activities and stimulation they don't get into so much trouble of course they don't they're much 
uh, more easy to deal with and yes. uh, they're much more satisfied at the end of the day yeah yeah definitely definitely that's i mean that's been really really interesting and i know we've we've only sort of touched on um three of your seminar subjects but that's been you know really really interesting um is there anything else you'd like to say to people about you know sort of living with their dogs or anything that you'd like to say that people need to know I think that um, to do a lot more research, um, the, 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 there's lots of advice out there. Mm. And uh, people take lots of advice and uh, put that advice uh, onto their dog. But uh, I think if people are to observe their dogs more, to, to, to recognize that dogs are affected by the ups and downs of daily life, they go through what you go through, uh, it'll open their eyes a lot more instead of reading. It's good to read books and it's good to watch documentaries and get lots of advice. But I think we get so much more learning from spending quality time with our dogs. Yeah. yeah. From having shared experiences together. And, and there's no book written about your dog. Yes. And that's something that uh, no one else can give you. And so, so that's a voyage of discovery for uh, you and the family. And I think you get to know your dog better when you take note um, of how your dog feels in certain situations, um, of how we treat our dogs, of how we understand how they feel. And it, it takes time to grow up. So uh, uh, rather than just looking for a trained dog, give dogs time to grow up. Give yeah. them time to to express themselves, to, to yeah. express those emotions that we have, you know. Yeah. Adolescence is no more easier for dogs than it is for <laughs> us. And no. um, they need time to learn. They need learning time. They need time to grow up. They need time to apply skills in certain situations. So just observe dogs more and uh, to consider that when we deal with them. Yeah. Yeah, great advice. Do you know, I can remember again when Buddy was very little. He had no, he's a Labrador retriever. It's in the name, you know, and he had no interest at all in fetching anything. And I yeah. would watch, I'd watch other dog owners sort of, you know, throwing a ball for their dog, you know, on, on walks and whatever, and think, oh, I'd quite like to do that. And eventually it did happen that Buddy would kind of go, well, yeah, I'm quite interested in balls now. And then if you're going to throw them, I'll, I'll run after them. Um, and I didn't, it wasn't something that I forced him to do. He just sort of became interested in it. But that took a long time for him to go, oh, yeah, I'd quite like to fetch, you know. And you're right, they're all little individ- individuals. And it doesn't matter what breed or group, or whatever they're from, they've got their own little ideas and they need time to sort of come to fruition, don't they? Very much so. Uh, very much so, you know. And um, they, they have preferences. Yes. And uh, what they like on one day, they, they, they may not like the next. They, they need variety as well. Yeah, yeah. And um, if we try and force retrieves all the time, we can actually kill a good retrieve later on. Yeah, yeah. You know, the potential of one. So it, 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 looking for your dog's natural talent, allowing it to be a dog, seeing where its instincts go, uh, what it likes to do in life, and trying harnessing that uh, into the daily enrichment and training and... Um, as the dog progresses and matures and uh, becomes more experienced, it should turn out into uh, the lovely, well-balanced dog that we all want it to be. Yeah, yeah, 
Definitely, definitely. Max, that's been brilliant advice. Thank you ever, ever so much. That was really interesting. Where can people find out more about you online? Okay. Um, I have a website. It's www.action, the number four, dogs.co.uk. Great. That's actionfordogs.co.uk. There are a couple of Facebook faces, um, uh, pages. Um, I also have a big interest in wolves, so there's a Facebook page on wolves and wolf behaviour there. And if people just generally look at Maxwell Muir, dog trainer, they, they, they should find me without a problem there. Brilliant. That's great. Thank you ever so much for that. And um, the best of luck with whatever you're doing next and all, all the seminars. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. It's been an absolute pleasure. I found that fascinating. And I can quite see that attending one of Maxwell Muir's seminars sends you home to look at your dog anew and to seek to improve your relationship in numerous ways. If you'd like to find out more about Max, we have the link to his website and his Facebook page on the Dogcast Radio site. I hope 2017 is going well for you so far. This is the 16th year that Buddy has been alive in. He was born back in 2002, so I'm very grateful to have him with me as we go into the year. If you're particularly grateful to have your dog by your side this year, maybe because of age or illness, let me know. And if you're just setting out on the journey of having a new dog in your life, let me know too. There's nothing I like better than talking about dogs. So, until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident Dogcast Radio. That's all one word, Dogcast Radio. By email, you can contact me on Julie at dogcastradio.com When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. What does a scientist's dog do with bones? Barium! <laughs>